0: Hey, Rockville, it's Susan Pittman. I am in the garage with Jamie Espinosa. How are you, Jamie? What's going on?
1: Good, Susan. So it's about, you know, we're getting close to Halloween, end of October. And at the beginning of the month, I was reading an article on MoCo 360, which used to be called Bethesda Magazine, right? They mm-hmm. rebranded. And the title of the article I read was called MoCo Education Can't Be Decided by Conservative Activists read it, thought to myself, wow, that's very generally orthodox, Montgomery County orthodox opinion, or at least what people think is an orthodox opinion, and obviously we'll discuss that article a little bit, but I really wanted to write a letter to the editor in response to the article, but, you know, chose not to, like most of us do. Then a couple of weeks later, I read an article that someone responded to the article I wanted to respond to, and that, that response was called MoCo Education Must Be Influenced by New Groups of activists. Oh. And I thought to myself, wow. Then I found out the person who wrote that works at the same federal agency as I do, and I reached out to them to kind of talk about their response.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I'm excited to talk to uh, to your guest today.
1: So, uh, Caleb, uh, welcome to the show. Thank be- you. Before we talk about the articles, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about yourself? How did you end up in living in this area?
2: Yeah, so I never thought I would stay living in this area, but that is what has happened. I moved up here probably 15, 16 years ago for a job, uh, single at the time, uh, got, got married, had kids, bought a house, stayed with my job, and so here we are. Uh, we have settled into uh, the area, consider ourselves full-time residents, Plan to stay here. Um,
1: so, so tell us your kids. What what grades are they in?
2: Yeah, I have a first grader and a third grader, both boys.
1: All right. So you've you've dealt with the Montgomery County school system, I would imagine, then.
2: Yeah, we got our introduction to the MOCO school system when the pandemic hit. Uh, that was our first year.
1: So then, um, let's talk a little bit about your article. So as I mentioned before. Uh, the original article was a letter to the editor and it was connected to, as listeners probably remember, one of the most controversial things that have happened this year in Montgomery County school system, which was the, um, the organization and the protests against changes to the Montgomery County curriculum regarding gender studies, I guess, would be the best way, or, you know, and, and there was groups of uh, organized, uh, best way to say it is, I guess, minority groups, right? Minority religious groups, minority racial groups, kind of protesting, and I have a little bit of background on that so we can get into that. Um, and so the original article was written kind of saying, hey, look, these groups are organizing, they're being agitated by outside um, conservative activists and we the people of you know the good people of Montgomery County need to you know diversity and inclusion and come together to to stop this now when i originally read that my initial thoughts was wow this is taking away a lot of agency from the people who have come out to protest Absolutely. <laughs> it's making it cuz the original article was talking about how moms for liberty which is a conservative or, uh, group it's, outside of Maryland came together and is agitating people within Montgomery County um, to protest. You know I've talked to people on both sides of the issue and I'm not sure pretty sure they would have been protesting regardless I think they really do care about the issues at play and this is true for all sides of that Mm -hmm. issue. Um, So I was a little taken aback by the original article but you know um, I would have loved to write into the editor but didn't you did and you wrote a fantastic piece that was very well put together and tell us a little bit about what motivated you to respond to that original article
2: yeah jimmy so i didn't even know if i was going to get an article out of my response when i started i kind of sat down i was uh frustrated when i had read the article that you had um you had mentioned and i think the the main source of my frustration was that um there's a big disconnect between what we say we value and what our actions um, and words do to support that. And here we are as the community that prides itself on diversity and inclusion. And when given the opportunity to have our actions align with that, right? By embracing uh, new voices that are speaking up, we instead kind of condemn them. Um, And so it was really frustrating to to see that and I think what the author of the original article overlooked is that these people um, that were attending these these protests, if you will, they've always existed in Montgomery County, right? They've always been here and I think this year is the first year that some of these people are finding the courage and the confidence to begin letting their voice be heard and I think that makes a lot of people uncomfortable.
1: So let me ask you this. I'm going to kind of connect this to um, the local election that's happening in the city of Rockville.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, I was talking to somebody recently who says to me, you know, I don't really like nonpartisan elections because I don't know how people, what people think or how they come down on the issues. And that made me laugh because my response was, Putting a D or an R next to someone's name is going to tell you how they come down on local issues, or are you just making assumptions? And yeah. the way I'm connecting it to the protesters is the original article, and I think a lot a lot of people in the county looked at that protest and thought, to "My, or, you know, these are conservatives, or these are Republicans," and then they looked at the images of the protesters, and I don't think in their heads things connected. Because I don't know if any of those people were conservatives or Republicans.
2: And they They, certainly weren't coming out there as Republicans or conservatives. They were coming out there as concerned parents or concerned members of the community.
1: Right. And so do you think that in Montgomery County the orthodox position is, hey, we're Democrats or we're liberals and this is what we should think on this without actually delving into what people actually think?
2: Absolutely. And I think, I mean, maybe stepping out of the Rockville politics for a second and just looking at the county politics, right? I think, and whether you're a Democrat or Republican matters little to me, right? But like the Democrat Party has a hold on Montgomery County politics. And I think one of the clearest signals of that is if you currently look and, and see that you know there's 170,000 voters in Montgomery County that are registered independent or unaffiliated, right? right? All of these individuals can't vote in the primary, right? They don't have a say in the primary, um, and so you've got a large group. I think it's close to 25% of our registered voters that don't get a say in the primary elections, right? And to me, that's certainly you know not representative of you know Democratic principles or, or or thoughts, but they won't give up that power, right? Because right. when, you, when you're able to eliminate those people, those nonpartisans, you've, you're you able to concentrate your power.
1: Right. And Susan, what was it? Mark Ehrlich in the recent election won the primary by like 38 votes, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, right? it was really small. And we all knew the winner of that was going to win the general election, right? hands down. So yeah. really, he won with a very small plurality. Right. Um,
0: I was moving here from Texas 10 years ago. One of the things that surprised me the most was the lack of open primaries. Because in Texas, as a Democrat, um, I didn't always really, there was, were oftentimes no Democrats running in local elections yeah. or even state elections and county elections. So we would, we could vote in whichever primary we wished. So that's how we operated. We came here and didn't realize that you. If you registered as a as an independent, you had no say in anything, really. And um, so we had to we spent the first election here kind of confused as to why no one came to our house, <laughs> what was going on, and then we figured it out. But yeah, open primaries would solve a lot of um, engagement issues and a lot of um, inclusion
2: issues for sure.
1: So let, let me ask you, as a parent, what issues, uh, Caleb, do you? What concerns do you have with Montgomery County public school system since you have a third grader and a first grader and have dealt with them now for a few years?
2: Yeah, so maybe we can kind of stick on the theme of elected officials for a second. Sure. Right? Because I think the Board of Education plays a huge role in our public education, right? And so right now, and you know, correct me if my facts get wrong, right? But there's there's seven elected representatives on the Board of Education, right? There's two at-large people and and five people that are supposedly representing different districts, right, different areas. The two at-large people for the last 20 years, all of them have lived below the beltway, right? Right. A majority of Montgomery County lives above the beltway. So your two at-large representatives meant to represent the entire county, right, have traditionally all lived under the beltway, representing their community.
1: Right, so the Silver Spring, like, The, county, Silver, the right? Silver
2: Spring area, And that's right?
1: true with the county council At,
2: as well. A hundred percent. Now, the five, now here's where it gets a little deceitful, right? The five other individuals representing districts, mm-hmm. right, are actually running as at-large because no matter what district you live in, you can vote for the other candidates, right? So we actually have a board of education that is seven at-large people, right? And, and from my opinion, what this does is it sets it up so that a lot of people's voice is not represented, right? But also it takes a very small group of people to control or influence an election. So you're right, the Silver Spring kind of contingency can, can vote their seven through, right? And and they've got control over the direction of the board Board of Education. And so like one of the things that I'd like to see like if we're starting at the elected officials level is have those people actually representative of their of their districts. Um, and let that person represent that area because they all have unique unique needs, right? Uh, a district up in the Clarksburg area might have very different needs, right, than one in the Silver Spring or Tacoma Park area. Right. So that would be, you know, that would be one thing. Um related to, but I've got a whole list here in my head to go through uh, when it comes to the education components as well.
1: So so let me kind of want to get into a little bit of discussion of the decisions people make, because I think, and I'm part of the problem on this, and I know I've talked to Susan a lot about this, and our conversation right now will be interesting, because you have a third grader and a first grader. Yep. I have a second grader, Mm -hmm. and I am not in Montgomery County public school system, and a lot of parents who aren't have left and I think would be influential had they stayed. I think it's kind of like this silent group Mm -hmm. that the county doesn't even recognize. And I'll tell you a little bit my story. So as everybody knows, COVID hit April, 2020. So my kid's in daycare at the time. My kid was, uh, so I'm watching the 2020, 2020, the 2019-2020 school year. I'm watching it. Covid hits. I, you know, I don't want to re relitigate Covid, but I think at the time, the vast majority of the reason people looked at the situation and said, "Hey, school should close. There's a new virus. Nobody. We don't know what we're dealing with. Right? Schools close. Then we roll into the 2020-2021 school year, which for you, based on the fact that you have a third grade, i already know it was tough. Yeah. My kid's in her last year of daycare, and so I'm watching this very carefully. Now, again, I don't want to relitigate COVID, but I'm looking at data coming out of Italy, looking at data coming out of Sweden and Germany regarding their schools. Montgomery County, there was a big fight between the governor at the time and the county executive concerning whether or not schools should open, private schools, parochial schools. Governor Hogan mandated that private schools are allowed to open, right? So we're watching this very carefully. Montgomery County makes the decision, hey, the 2020-2021 school year is going to be virtual. So now I'm a little worried because my kid's going to start school next year. Hey, schools aren't going to be open. They don't know what they're dealing with. Um, again, don't want to relitigate COVID, but I don't know if the school district was open and transparent about how they were making decisions, right? That was important to me at the time. And my wife and I, we make the decision, okay, we're going to put our kid into Catholic school. I'm not Catholic. My wife's not Catholic. Our friends who are uh, this lesbian couple who made the same decision, they ain't Catholic, right? But the Catholic school we ended up sending my daughter to did open, was the very first school that opened in the 2020-2021 20, um, 20, 20, school year. And it already had uh, practice regarding... Um, Covid protocols. Then my da- so my daughter goes there um, for kindergarten, and Montgomery County opened up the same year. And you know I've heard stories from friends who were back in person. There was a lot of stories of like stops and starts, and sure. kids all going home. Um, and then uh, for the 2022-2023 school year, we were like, all right, we're going to put our kid back into school and then a bunch of controversies hit in Montgomery County where they said, ah, we're not going to go back into the school system. I know tons of parents in the Catholic school system right now who aren't Catholic, Mm -hmm. who would have gone, but for COVID would be in public school right now. Um, So I'm going to stop talking because I know your son, who's a third grader, probably did deal with online kindergarten, right? Um, We did. uh, We did. So I'm just curious as to your thoughts of how the county handled that, because you may disagree, right, that they handled it good or bad or whatever. Um, And so I'm just curious.
2: Yeah, I mean, I and I I appreciate your, you know, kind of not wanting to go back and relitigate it, but I think it does speak to potentially how the school board and the county council makes decisions, right, and how we could be more inclusive. And so. You know, you mentioned there was a lot of data across all areas of the spectrum, right? There's data saying, yes, you can open safely, right? Yes, or there's data saying, no, you shouldn't. I guess my concern as a parent was, were we looking at the whole thing, right? Were we considering all viewpoints, right? Or were we automatically saying, oh, no, if if you think we should go back to school, you're X, Y, and Z and, you know, trying to hurt teachers and trying to hurt kids. I mean, there was at MCPS, there was rumors that if you supported kids going back to school, right, that you wanted teachers to die, right? Like that was part of the narrative. Um, and regardless of whether the decision was right or wrong, that language, that rhetoric, that form of manipulation is always wrong, right? Um, and so, yeah, COVID was difficult. We ended up putting our, our child in a private kindergarten. Right. Then we went into first grade, um, which was Rocky and it was, it was at home, right? Then second grade and now third. Um I mean, I have, I have going back to COVID for a second, right? Like I have friends whose children are, are speech delayed, not because of COVID, but because that's how they were born. Right. right. But they would take, um, advantage of mcps's speech therapy i mean as of 2023 the speech therapists were still masking during sessions right right like there's a a real disconnect there between what you're trying to provide for the child and maybe something else that you're you're following or supporting
1: this may be obvious to anybody listening but i kind of want to put a fine point because i remember the messaging from montgomery county school system and the PTA saying that if you want schools to reopen, you want dead teachers. I remember that. I was just straight, like, people act like they weren't saying that, and they were. And my wife and I, who I would consider reasonable people, were looking at it going, there's a ton of private and Catholic schools that are open, and they don't have high death rates, so I'm not sure that's true, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, Anyways. Yeah, <laughs> and
0: I think with, with you, listening to the two of you yeah. talk about this, and, you know, my son graduated in 2020, so he spent his spring semester of his senior year at home. Um, which was a whole other ball of wax. Better that than kindergartners, frankly. Um, What this really speaks to, though, is the decision-making process. How decisions are made, whose voices are included, and you're right, I do remember some of that messaging. Even though we were on our way out Mm -hmm. of the school system, there was some very... um, Fiery language and rhetoric, I think, is a great way of of putting it, and so that really speaks to leadership and how people are communicated with and who's got a seat at that table. Um, And uh, frankly, just fact based. And we didn't, you know, to go back, we didn't have all. We there was a lot we still didn't know in 2020. Even in 2021, there were things we didn't know, Um, and the vaccine was new, new, and all that. but talk, I mean, how do we fix this? How do we say to MCPS, you know, you've got to be more open and transparent about your decision-making? And you don't want to slow down the process. Things in, in public schools already move very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we do that? How do we say to them, we're not going, to, we need you to be more transparent for, our, for the good of our kids?
2: Oh, that's a terrific, <laughs> terrific question. I wish I had an answer to it. Maybe that was kind of, my, maybe I was attempting to answer that question with my article, right? And that I think if we see, when we see things that are not congruent, right? When we see actions that are not congruent with the words or the principles that we say, right? I don't think people have been called out on that enough and i think it's going to take kind of a slow movement of moms and dads and individuals beginning to call folks out on that right um
1: can, can i poke the bear a little bit yeah let's yeah it. so I grew up in Las Vegas. My wife grew up in Minnesota. We're the product of public school systems, not very good public school systems. Up right, like mm-hmm. you know, I, I grew up in Clark County, Nevada, which, if you look up, is the largest school district in the entire country. Oh wow! Right, it was, it's horrendous. Um, moving out here, everyone told me Montgomery County has the best schools. Montgomery County has the best schools. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, my daughter, when she was born and she was a kid, I started doing some deep thinking about this. And I came to a realization here. So it's kind of a thought experiment. Let's say I built a community, right? Where you had uh, folks with bachelor's degree make up about 65% of your community. And then folks with a master's degree made up about 40 to 50%. Now let's give this magical community an income level of 90,000 to 110,000 on average per year. Now let's make a lot of these people type a personalities who are very highly invested with their kids and instead of spending their money on golf fees, are actually investing into their kids and going to like baseball games, softball games and soccer games and putting them in karate and Spanish language lessons and French language lessons. Okay. Now let's um, make this community one that cares about like racial diversity and economic diversity. Okay. Now let's put this magical community anywhere in the country. I think. That area would be the number one school system, or at least a top school system, automatically, without knowing anything about the teachers, without knowing anything about the county administrators, the school system, the way property taxes are divided up, without knowing any of that, just based on the population that we're talking about. I think you will automatically have one of the best school systems in the country.
0: And now everyone knows what we talk about at brunch on Sundays. <laughs> Well, but I
2: think, Jamie, I think we are living on the fumes of being the best school system. Sure. Right? Like, you know, in preparation for this, for this like, little research. So, MCPS right now is paying roughly $20,000, right, per student, per year, right? Right. In 1985, now granted, that was a long time ago, the cost per student was around 12000 That's in adjusted dollars, not in... Sure. So, so an $8,000 gap in adjusted dollars over all this courses. Now, maybe that's okay. Maybe you can say, yeah, we've gotten $8,000 better, right? Like the education is that much better, but then you look at the testing scores, right? The testing scores for middle school proficiency levels, right? Overall proficiency levels, they've not hit 60% over the last five years. I think last year it was 20% for middle middle school. Right. And so you're wondering, all right, well, what, where's this money going to? And then you're like, well, transparency will answer that. Right? Like, let me find out the ratio of administrate amount of money budget that goes to administrators versus teachers. Can't find it. Right. Right. So what's changed over the last, what is that? 35 years?
1: Top he- top heavy administration. It could
2: maybe, right. right? But but the community doesn't know. And without the community knowing, how can the community intervene? Right. right? How can the community say, No, we want something different and it's this?
1: Right. But but you see, I guess the point I was trying to make earlier was I think this community needs to own the fact like, hey, we're kind of an awesome community
2: in and of itself. In and of
1: itself. And so we should demand a lot from our school system, right? Because if you put it anywhere else in the country, we would be amazing as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Um, and, and so to your point, where is the money going? Why is the Apple ballot, which we haven't touched upon? Mm-hmm. so important that every politician seeks it. Uh, I, I I don't having a kid not in the school system. I don't have answers to this because I don't know if my experience is different, though I suspect it is based on the conversations I have with my my peers, right? Because my tuition dollars that I pay, I expect a lot. I expect transparent communication or whatnot because mm-hmm. I, I can walk with my feet. Mm-hmm. Um, So anyways, go ahead. Well,
0: and you may see that. I mean, that's what the big battle in Texas has been for decades is vouchers and uh, waivers and um, charter schools. And a lot of it is because of a lack of investment in public schools, which also includes a wonky way of financing in Texas um, for public schools. So, And that's what people have done for years. It's like, I can't, we we would have, had we stayed in Texas, Matt would have been in a, a private school. Um, so it, it that's what people do, to Jamie's point, is they walk with their feet. And MCPS has not had to face that, it, it appears. They have not really ever had to face that, at least in modern times. Um, so that's a real concern. I mean, you, the health of a community, people, I don't know that people understand this, um, at a deep level, that the health of your community is directly related to the health of your school system. It is the most important institution of a community, is a public school system. It is where your workforce comes from. It is where your grown-ups invest their time and their money if you make it something that they're allowed to invest in. And when you have a lack of transparency, people won't invest. I mean that I don't you know, Kim and Jamie did the right thing for their daughter. They really did. They did the right thing pulling her out. I've known her since she was born and that was the best thing they could have done. But also, aside from their own personal situation, there is, you know, we've had this ongoing discussion with them about why not return to public schools. And my husband and I were both public school teachers. And it, it's a it's a tough, it's a really tough question. And it takes a lot of time for a public school system, to, uh, the whole system to pivot, especially when it's as big as MCPS
1: so you've listed you start your article with you know 2023 is the year that montgomery county public schools wishes it forgot let's talk a little bit about those controversies um as listeners probably know there have been a couple of uh, uh settlements that the school district has had to engage in because there have been uh, sexual assaults in the schools uh, of of students there recently was um, a principal right who had been promoted even though he has been credibly accused of sexual harassment by the teachers multiple times multiple times yeah.
2: um, and uh obvi- let's pause yeah. there for a second there yeah. too, because i think this is a perfect example of the transparency for the community right so when that when the i think it was the washington post kind of busted that story right they they made the front page news but MCPS's response to that was they hired a private law firm right to do an investigation and when they conducted that investigation they obviously got a report back I don't know if you've seen the report no okay the JFK files are redacted less than that report all right so you you look at the report and it's line after line of black redacted text and so You ask yourself, is this what they're showing to the community? It is, and you know what? It's also what they showed to the county council. That is the same redacted report that they showed to the county council. And so how can a county council that's supposed to have a degree of oversight of MCPS, right, ever exercise accountability? They can't. So they tried to sweep this all under the rug, right, from their own lack of their own failures, And that's the school system that we're dealing with right now, one of kind of self-protection.
1: Right. So I think that's a good segue into the Apple ballot. Right. Mm -hmm. For those that don't know, and your article talks a little bit about this, Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell us a little little bit about the Apple ballot? And I'll tell you, having been a little itty-bitty-bitty involved in city elections, I hear candidates have said to me, oh, I really hope to get on the Apple ballot.
2: So this is my understanding of it, and yeah. you guys add to it. But the Apple ballot, you know, along with the Washington Post, the Apple ballot is the endorsement that all the candidates seek over all others, right? Um, it is kind of a political action arm of the, the teachers' union. Um, they've actually trademarked the term Apple ballot, so you cannot... You cannot use, you know someone else can't use that term, um, but it is extremely influential in selecting the Board of Education uh, representatives as well as you know other other seats across the county. Uh, six of the current we talked about the seven people elected, six of the seven were Apple ballot endorsed that are sitting on the Board of Education right now. Um, and so if you can get that, even if it's just your first year, um, you're pretty much, you're pretty much a shoe in.
1: I'm curious, do you have any thoughts of how you get their endorsement? I mean, obviously like any interest group, it must be, Hey, you're willing to go to bat for us.
2: I mean, I think it's part, I I, I mean, the cynical part of me thinks that it goes beyond that too, right? Like I'd worked on a campaign for board of education last year. And I don't know that that person was even ever interviewed, right, right. or considered. Right. Um, And so, you know, it's kind of the powers that be, you know, make the selection. But the, I mean, if we want to dive into the teachers union, like I don't think they're doing currently teachers, right, or the school system any benefit right now. I mean, if you visit DMC, EA you know, website or Twitter feed or any of that stuff. I mean, there's more talk at, at that level about, you know, the auto workers striking, right. Or right. Ukraine, than what's happening at our school system. Right. Um, and it's also the teacher union that didn't represent all of the teachers coming forward with those sexual harassment claims. Right. They didn't take that any more seriously than the school board did. Right. Um, And so it makes you question, kind of, what are they working for?
1: So, I mean, this is kind of going a little off topic a little bit, but do you think a lot of the issues with this area is, I find myself at brunch often, right, right, on a Saturday with people, and people want to discuss the latest thing that they saw on MSNBC at a national level, right? Mm -hmm. Like Ukraine, or the Middle East, or... Black Lives Matter or immigration or whatnot. And there's a lot of local city, county public school issues that I don't know that I've been in a conversation in other than with really close friends who are dealing with those issues. I mean, is there something about our area or do you think this is a countrywide?
2: I mean, I think it's something with our area. We, the, the, the dialogue and just the media alone, we talked more about the electric school buses than we have math scores. Right? I mean, there's more articles on electric school buses, the contracts, how many we have in service, why do we still have diesel ones in service, what's going to happen than we have about math scores. Right. Like, that's a problem.
0: I think I don't disagree with you, but the gas-powered buses are not going to sue us for putting electric-powered buses into service. There's some fear-based, there's clearly, right, just to state the obvious, there's some fear-based decision-making going on here. Um, anytime you have an HR issue, it's scary and it's hard to be confrontational on a good day. But when you have something like what happened with this person and all the sexual harassment and the, what, 18 reports or something like that? Uh, that went unignored to your point by the union that they all belong to Mm -hmm. as well as administration there's something very wrong right there's something very fearful about that and how do we say to administration and to the union you can't make fear-based decisions and we Mm -hmm. will support you. you we have your back when you go to bat for our teachers um, and get rid of these people. Let them suit you. Go ahead. Bring it, buddy, because you've committed a crime, right, is basically what, well, maybe not like a jail crime. I don't know. Jamie, you're an attorney. Is it a crime or is it just against the law? How do you... Well, indif-
1: I guess it depends what the allegations yeah. are. Yeah. Right?
0: So. so, but anyway, to, it, there there's something culturally, and I find this is not a... Um, we're all very nice here. Right, this is coming from the south. Like the people here are just equally as friendly and polite and sweet and don't want to um, offend and all that. So I think there's some of that culturally going on that we don't want to upset the apple cart too much and we don't want to cause a lawsuit. Uh, and HR is always hard. Like there's, you know, I know there's an HR professional organization and all that. HR is just hard. It's really hard. So. You know, that's another thing besides, and then trying to maintain transparency when dealing with HR is almost impossible legally and pragmatically. So that's another thing that we should put on MCPS's checklist is better HR and more trust in the community that we're going to have your back when you need to do something about this. Then it's okay if it makes the paper. We should, you know, let it make the paper because you did something not because you didn't take action.
2: You you raise an interesting point there around the fear. And I'm just wondering, do you see that 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 kind of culture has perpetrated beyond that into maybe into PTAs or into, into actual Board of Education meetings? Like in general, is the community fearful of sharing their voice? I, I Or of doing the right thing or what have you.
0: Well, this, this person was obviously a bully and yes. that scares everybody. I think when you go into education, whether it's on a school board, or you put your kid in school, you're on the PTA, you're a teacher, an administrator, you are involved in the public school system because you love kids and you want the best for kids. Mm-hmm. Not because you're an HR expert or a legal expert. It's this those things are secondary. And, you know, I didn't start out as a data analyst. I started out as, as someone who really enjoyed young people and really enjoyed sharing geography and history with them and literature with them. That's why. I didn't really care about data. I got real mad about, you know, Texas was ground zero for No Child Left Behind, and it really made me mad. So then I ended up a data analyst. It's like, okay, I'm going to fix it from the inside. It didn't happen. Um, but that's, but you, I didn't go in it. For that I went in it for the kids, and so you've got a bunch of people who are kid experts they're not experts at handling sexual harassment between staff members i mean that's that's not what they're there for
1: Can we talk a little bit about the issue that caused the original article to be written, and then your response yeah. to that because we haven't really we, we touched upon it, but i don't i think the, I think down the line years from now it's going to be an interesting case study that may be used to see how uh, school systems react to certain controversies. So for the listeners that are unaware, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, regarding the gender identity book scandal, uh, I don't know term we're going to use for it, is in 2022, the state of Maryland changes the curriculum a little bit and says to counties, hey, we're going to change the curriculum, we're going to have part of this gender uh, identity, part of your curriculum, you counties can kind of implement this in the way you see fit and you can give exemptions how you see fit to it. So Montgomery County, and a- anybody jumping, correct me if I'm getting the facts wrong, jumps in and M- Montgomery County says, okay, we're going to do exemptions. And they actually send out forms, my understanding is, to, to families through the teachers. Mm-hmm. and. Some families sign the form saying, yes, I would like to be exempted out of this piece of your curriculum. And some of the schools actually grant the exemption to some of the families, right? And they get the response hey, you are exempted out of this curriculum. Then, because so many requests came in to be exempted out of the curriculum, the school district comes and says, we can't, it's too big of an administrative burden to manage this because too many people want an exemption, so no one gets an exemption.
0: Which they should have known that from the beginning. That's nuts. To even have offered an exemption
1: and so that in is, that way. Right. In that way. Yeah. And so that is a piece, not all of it, but one of the reasons a lot of people come out to protest is, hey, my family had an exemption and you're taking it away. And I think this is a, a fact that I don't know that the Washington Post and the media outlets that covered it actually um, build too deep because there were a lot of protesters who were just protesting the change to the curriculum. Now, one little side note I'll put on this. I've talked to a lot of people about the controversy, I have found very few people have actually read any of the books that are on all sides of this. Just kind of a plug, Sunil Dasgupta in the I Hate Politics did book reviews of all the books. He had his daughter do them. Mm -hmm. Very interesting if if you want to go and listen to that podcast. So now we're in a situation where the county, my understanding, is being sued by various groups of families because they were given exemptions that we're taking away.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's, it's yeah. not if not the, I've given you an exemption and I'm now taking it right. away. From my understanding, it is having enacted a quasi-policy like that there will be no opt-out. So there'll be no opt-out. Right? right. And so, and what's been confusing about this is that in some, in I guess some articles, whatever, they're calling it a policy, like MCPS is no opt-out policy. Right. But it's not a policy. Like every policy has to be approved by the Board of Education.
1: Which they could opt out under the state, right? Like, like the state says you guys could
2: opt out. So yeah, there are certain right, parts of it, I right, guess. Right, right. So I think that's what motivated people to, to protest is why wouldn't you afford me the opportunity to opt out? Especially if I feel whatever's being taught is in violation of my identity right? Because what we're talking here is a battle of identities, like a Muslim child's identity in their faith is as strong and as is relevant as another child's identity in their pronoun, right? right. What, what makes one more than the other? Right. It, it, it's of...
0: A... But where do you draw the line? Do, well, what, do Where do we draw the line with
1: that? Well, just kind of an interesting fact that also I don't know that the media has focused on or commented on too much is that Montgomery County does allow an opt-out even today for sex ed curriculum. Yeah, like, like, like strict, right, the state requires it, right, that families get an opt-out on sex ed. And what the state did was the gender identity issues aren't sex ed, they're Social studies is where they put it, and so that's why they're counting saying we can have a no-opt-out policy because this isn't sex-ed, this is social studies.
0: What do we say to conservative Christians who don't want their children learning about Islam or Judaism or Zoroastrianism? All that was in the curriculum I taught in Texas, so what do, what would you say to those people?
1: Is that being taught? I mean, when you say taught, I guess I would need to know how it's taught, right? Cause
0: As a cultural fact, and there's a cultural fact that we have gay people and transgender people and people who identify with other pronouns. I mean, it's-
2: But I think the I think the curriculum M C P at least from my understanding of it, right, at least some of the stuff that's been published, it goes beyond stating that there is the existence or that there's a fact, right? It's going into- How should a teacher and there's scripted things? How should a teacher respond, right? right, If a child says, I wonder if I'm a female, right? Like what's your response or why isn't there only two genders? So what's the, what's the response from a teacher perspective? Is it, do you inject it as a learning moment or do you inject it as a fact? Well, some people believe that or that could be the case or, or what have you, right? And so I think it's, it's beyond. This is what Judaism looks like, right? These are the tenets of their belief. This is where it was practiced and founded. Um, at least in, in the reading that I've I've been doing. That's
0: a very interesting choice they made to script talking points yeah, about personal questioning. Points. I mean, to me, if a kid had said that to me, mm-hmm. and I taught high, middle and mostly high school, but some middle and middle school as well, I would have said, let's talk about that after class. Like, that's not a scripted in-class talking point. That's a, let's talk about that after class. That's a really interesting decision. So it is beyond a cult. You know, this is some people. This is how some of your friends identify. This is how this works.
1: This is
2: yeah. okay. And, and someone had done an MPIA to get the books, right? And then to see what are their learning objectives, right? Mm-hmm. And there's clear learning objectives attached to each book you read, right? It's not like a free choice reading material where you can elect to read it or not, but a teacher reads it, then they're trying to teach you something as well. Well, what are they trying to teach you, right? And I think... Parents don't have transparency into that, right? So they don't know what, I mean, you had to issue a a public information request just to find out what the learning objectives around each book. So it's tricky. Right.
0: That's really interesting. You're supposed to write your learning objectives on the board every morning before (laughs) you start teaching. So that's funny that, that that shouldn't, that's interesting that that was actually a public information request. I did not know that.
2: So interesting book story here, right? Because I I wanted to test the system for myself, right? Because books go through review before they enter the school library, right? There's a series of books, I think it's called Heroes for Liberty, right? They write books about different American people, like Elon Musk is one, right? Trying to showcase um, what they call American values, right? I took three of their books and submitted them to MCPS for inclusion in the library thought being, well, if they get approved. Maybe we'll do a little fundraiser and get some books in the library. Right. One of those books was, um, a biography on Thomas Sowell.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. Conservative, thinker. conservative black thinker. Right. Still alive, by the way, in his nineties, I think. Hmm. The response back on the book, they state positives and weaknesses, and then they give a decision. It was marginally approved. The weakness was, this book tries to showcase and highlight American values and principles. That was their weakness, their identified weakness in the book. And so, right? So then you ask yourself, well, who's reviewing them? What's the oversight process? What's the criteria, right? And then there's other books, right, that are being challenged across the country right now where they're much more, graphic or, you know, controversial than something like that. So I was shocked to kind of find out maybe potentially some of the bias coming into just the review of what goes into the library.
1: Right. One of the things that, again, my daughter's in Catholic school, so I don't deal with any of that. All right. Like, I mean, I just don't, it's not a thing, though our Catholic school has, um, Uh, uh, gay married couples that send their kid there. But this isn't an issue we deal with in the curriculum. i just put that out there. Um, Is this issue or issues or bag of issues regarding gender identity and, and whatnot isn't settled in our country. So I'm just kind of surprised that our school system is taking any other approach other than these people exist. Period. No. Let's move on. You see what I'm saying? It, like they're, it, they're,
0: and, You know, it is interesting. They jump into this controversy, but not fire the person with the 18 sexual harassment complaints, right? They didn't jump headfirst into that controversy, but they did jump headfirst into this one. Right. Yeah, I mean, really, everything in the public school system should be fact-based. It should be, even if it's social sciences, it should be fact-based. If it's literature, that's obviously more interpretive, but there are structured methodologies for reviewing literature and um, that's just, I'm sitting back here listening because I frankly have not followed it that closely, Um, but it's just amazing to me that we wouldn't be fact-based and that we would turn something down because it reflected American values. I think lots of other values should be Mm-hmm. You know, Eastern values should be reflected in students' reading. We should, Our kids should be reading broadly and deeply and often. So that just is really fascinating to me.
1: So let me ask you, in your article you talk a little bit about the PTA and you being a dad. Oh, sorry. go ahead, No, you, oh no yeah.
0: I'm good. Having
1: kids in, in involved, what are your thoughts on, on the Montgomery County school system and the PTA that parents have here? Mm-hmm.
2: So I am a member of our, I guess I'm a member of our PTA. I attend their meetings when I can. I'm part of the PTA listserv. Um, I think that the PTA has always kind of been in a difficult spot, right? Because the people that end up having the time or passion to get involved are not necessarily representative of the whole school, right? So you've always got, parents that simply just don't have the time or the ability to get engaged and and lend their voice. And I think how you engage those people, um, you know, how the PTA can grow to engage those people. My experience, I'll share with you a quick story kind of about the PTA is kind of like the experiences with MCPS or Board of Education, and it becomes where's your focus, right? What are, as you, as a group of parents, are focused on, right? So I'm part of the PTA listserv. Principal goes and cancels the Halloween parade, right? Says, we're not doing costumes, we're not going to do a parade, we're going to do a fall festival. And this is so that everyone can participate, because I guess previous years, you know, some children either objected to their parents objected to them dressing up. I don't know what percentage, right? Or they didn't have the money to buy costumes, right? And so they were all sent to the gym while everyone else paraded around the grounds and did their PTAs and did their Halloween thing. So the PTA lists are just explodes, right? How can the PTA make this decision without consulting us? My daughter came home in tears. This is the worst thing for the school who can we write to report our principal to, right? Like who's the supervisor? This The fact that we weren't consulted, yada, 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 right? And so I write back on there, which addresses the concept of fear, right? Here you are outing yourself as somebody going against the most vocal. Right. But I'm like, it's just shocking to me that this group of people would invest this level of energy over this issue. When twenty-five percent of the school is chronically absent, right. right across MCPS, right, and you know, I I went I went further into it and I said, our elementary school is thirty-two percent farms, right? To qualify for farms as a family of four, you have to be below fifty thousand dollars, right? I did not know that. Yeah. That's fifty
1: thousand yeah. in Montgomery County. In Montgomery yeah. County,
2: you, you have to be below fifty thousand dollars, and I said given today's economic situation, how many parents do you think in that farms category is able to go and buy their child a new Halloween costume? Right. right. And so I say that the, the thought that you won't include those kids because your child needs to walk around the school when there'll be other things for them to participate in, that's a little embarrassing. And they wrote back. I mean, they were even upset with that. Right. And so just a whole lot of energy and a whole lot of smart people Zoned in on this insignificant issue that they should actually support. I mean, this is diversity and inclusion, right? Right. Right. um, And so, you know, let's invest our let's invest our energy as parents on test scores and, and education, safety and security, right? Resources. Right. Like those three things. If you're dealing with something other than that as the PTA, well, maybe throw in teacher appreciation, right? Yeah. right? Right. But like, if you're dealing with something other than that as the PTA, to me, you've lost your focus. Sure.
0: It's the kind of thing people fight about when they don't know what they should be fighting about, and oh, they just right. need some some direction. And as you said, focus and PTA is primed to provide to work with administration and teachers and provide that focus. Right.
1: Two different one throwaway comment i w I've been dying to make is I've always wanted to look about Montgomery County schools decision of the resource officers in high school. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you followed that. But it's like bit. we're not gonna have resource officers anymore. And then after a while, quietly well actually we're gonna put them back in the schools but we don't want know that crime went up.
0: Well I knew that wasn't gonna and last they quietly
1: they quietly put them in without any big um uh how well. But a thing you raise in your article and you kind of raise now is, hey, we need new voices. But you also mentioned, you know, a lot of people don't get involved And in the conversation Susan and I have always had is, I think we too easily excuse people, right, for not being involved. Tell yeah. me more. Tell me more. So I agree
0: with you. I know. This is my one question.
1: I have some neighbors. I, Thanks, live, I live in South Timbrook, very economically diverse. And so I do know, because I wake up to go to the gym at 4.30, I see guys getting up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning to go to work, you know, construction jobs, certain types of jobs, and they roll in 7, 8 o'clock at night, right? That's not my schedule. I'm very much a, um, you know, 9 to 5 type person. I don't know the other 9 to 5ers who aren't involved. I think we let them too easily off the hook. Now, I get people might have sick parents, sick kids. That's not everybody, right? Other people prioritize different things, and so um, it's just kind of a comment I make because I do see people get involved when it is, hey, we can't have Halloween costumes or, controversy, or we can't have Valentine's Day anymore, and then all of a sudden, all these voices start speaking up when they've never spoken up on any other issue, and so that's just kind of my thoughts. I, I I don't know that people are as busy as we make it out to be, yeah. But but I, but I could be wrong on that, so.
2: I, I, I agree with that, and I, to me, I think the larger barrier in getting more people involved is directly related to our culture, right? And, and the culture right now is, is a, a culture of privilege, right, a, a majority culture, right? And if you're a minority, how are you treated in that? And I'm not talking about race, sex, or anything. I'm talking a minority of viewpoints, right, opinions. If you are the one to put a yard sign up, right? With a candidate that's not popular, right? Or if you're the person to respond to the PTA with a viewpoint that SRO should be in schools, right? right? Or you are the parent that gets caught going to the, the, the protest for the books, right? By a neighbor. It's, It's when you step out, right, you will quickly be critiqued and criticized. And, 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 you know, that's, that's risky for a lot of people. Every time I get on my email and it's a listener, my wife is cringing. She's like, what is he going to say, right? right? Because, but it's a real fear. The impact and, you know, you have been silenced through intimidation, basically. Um, and like, that's just such an awful thought for a community that prides itself on diversity and inclusion. Um, and I think that's the major barrier
1: because there's that 30% of registered independents in the county who can't find each other
2: they can't find right? Each. right or even I mean even me coming on here right like I wasn't scared to come on here but it is a, a source of exposure right you guys right. don't don't know my background right, right. like maybe I'm gonna say something you don't agree with right and maybe you're the type of people that don't like hearing things that you disagree with we that's right. real in Montgomery County right.
0: We say things that we don't agree with all the time.
1: No, go
0: ahead. You know, I, one of the things that, and that's a really interesting thought that people are afraid, and I think that's kind of a conclusion we're coming to at uh, during this conversation is that there is, in addition to fear-based decision making, there's fear of coming forward because you don't want to step out of line. This is a wonderful place to live, and you don't want to mess it up for yourself and your family. But there's also, to your point about privilege, uh, people don't um, want to get their hands dirty. They think they're too busy. Y- you know, you get the community you work for, not the community you want. And that, that to, we talk about this a lot. Jamie is an Air Force reservist. Um, I work for a small nonprofit, almost nonstop, and we're both on planning commission. We have families, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we're short on planning commission right now. Most boards and commissions in Rockville are short. It's gotten a little bit better the last year, 18 months, but almost all of them are short members. Mm -hmm. And I talk to people all the time, like, hey, if not planning, what else? What can we count on you to do? And they're like, oh, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And I'm like, oh, Okay you're, it's rarely, rarely are people genuinely too busy to take on one thing that they care about outside of work and home. Um, So how, why do you do it, right? I mean, you, why do you stay engaged and involved?
2: I mean, I think for me, um, part of it was this decision that you know, if I'm going to live in this community, right, then And I will readily admit that like the normal trajectory of this community doesn't probably align politically with mine, right? Like I am a minority in the community, but I also don't want to just be somebody that sits back and allows whatever to happen to happen, right? I have a family here that I care about. I have an investment in a house that I care about, right? I want a vibrant community. Um, and so like I was faced with, you can either, participate right or you can sit back and complain and for me i'd rather i'd rather participate i've met some great individuals and like we talked about covid in the beginning the amazing thing about covid for me like wherever you landed on the issue for me i landed on the issue of like i wasn't in the mainstream right i met wonderful people across the political spectrum right democrats republicans independents All wanting the same thing, like this was around opening back up the schools. They all wanted their schools back open. Don't put aside all the other issues, Mm -hmm. right? And they found commonality around something that was core in their opinion to the success of the community. And it was amazing. It was really amazing to see. Um, And so that's why I, that's why I do it. You can participate, or you can sit back and complain. Um, And for me, I'd rather at least try. I don't know if that's a
0: good answer. No, it is. <laughs> no, that's that's it. that's a really no. It's really a valuable point of view.
1: So we've been going for about an hour. So I don't know um, if we want to ask Caleb if he has any last thoughts on this issue before we ask you our closing question. Well, we didn't. No, I
2: think I think I've I'm good.
0: This is a really great conversation and an interesting perspective. It's, it reminds me as an empty nester that this really is important for everybody, even if your kids are not currently in the school system, and I probably should brush up on my MCPS info. So here's the most important question oh, we ask every guest. Well, let me jump in so, oh, he, can it, so okay. he can hear it, so he can hear
1: because I go out to eat a lot. All right, so we always ask guests what is either their favorite place to eat in the Rockville area or their uh, most recent. Let let me talk about my most recent.
0: Okay, go ahead. Oh,
1: boy. So I went to Chittanandu Indian Cuisine a couple of days ago. Where is this? This is um, on the Pike. If you know the tile company factory right there on the Pike, that big shopping center Uh, nobody ever goes
0: to. uh, With the New York Grocery. The Asian market, yeah. Yes, yes yeah, 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 exactly.
1: So Chittandu is an Indian place, and I love Indian food. Inexpensive. Indian food often isn't, right? Inexpensive. Big portions and pretty decent. So I plug for them. And then another place I went to, not the first time I've been there, but I haven't been there since before COVID, is Tower Oaks. Because mm. the Tower Oaks. Oh, Clyde's. Is, yeah, Clyde's. Yeah. Clyde's Tower Oaks. Because I was curious. Mm -hmm. Because before COVID, that was a big after work spot and um, Friday night spot. And so we went, and I was thinking it was going to be empty. Nope completely packed
0: fantastic yeah
1: so that's a good sign i think right yeah
0: that is a good sign so
1: all right so either favorite spot right susan or i'm old here on my,
2: my google maps <laughs> looking yep. for rockville restaurant yeah <laughs> uh, here
0: i can fill in with one if you want yeah. we don't eat out yeah lot I, we you. How about you? I, I went to uh, on yours and matt perkins re- uh recommendation we went to hello vietnam it was so good mm, yeah so good
1: that's some beers now Twinbrook,
0: yeah Twinbrook brook shopping center and I never go out in my yoga pants, like I am not that person and Dave and I went to the gym last night after work and he's like, hey, guess what, we're gonna go to REI, get hiking shoes. So I ended up going to REI in my yoga pants, I'm mortified and I hope that I didn't actually see anybody I know and then on top of that indignity, I went out to dinner in my yoga pants. Mm. This is a real breakthrough for me. (laughs) but we went to a casual place called Rasa. Yeah, Rasa, right? It's like uh, Chipotle, but Indian food. It that's was, the
2: kava. It was so good. Yeah.
0: Really good, really yeah. tasty. And the, uh, we had the um, cardamom limeade and the turmeric lemonade. Excellent. We usually did, don't waste calories on Did you get the like set that. bowls? We did because we'd never been
2: before. No,
1: no. I'm, even though I eat a lot of Indian food, the, the lines where they're like, hey, what do you want? My response is always, I don't know It tastes good together.
2: Right. So Jimmy. How do you get your young child to go to these these restaurants? My, my, okay, uh, Susan this, can tell you this kid I have no luck. In, this kid, this
0: kid is a bruiser, man. <laughs> <laughs> she, this girl can eat. I love to cook for her. She so, can eat and always has, and she's a delightful dinner conversationalist. So,
1: so we have family dinner night every Friday. That's why I'm able to always. And, and our big thing is to try a new restaurant in the city of Rockville. Right, every Friday, night. she gets to pick Dessert, whether or not we eat it at the restaurant, or one of the many dessert places in Rockwell, she gets a picture. So she's always looking forward to that, and that gets her through dinner. Even though, like Susan said, she loves to eat.
0: I've seen her. Yeah. I've seen her dig into duck confit and all like vegetables and everything. And ever since
1: she learned how to read,
0: reading
2: oh, the
1: menus, yeah. like she, she loves it. So yeah.
2: so Rockville. Let's see our our current go to restaurant when we go out to eat there is the Mission Barbecue. Yeah, mm. uh, because the yeah. kids will devour their cornbread. Yeah. I uh, yeah. love the cornbread. If you want to try a restaurant in Olney, I know that's not in Rockville, oh, okay. but Grill Marks is really good. They have oysters. They have this best. They have I forget what rub they put on their steak. Fabulous. Yeah. Outside outdoor seating.
1: Yeah, uh, I I live work gyms in rockville works in rockville houses in rockville i don't i don't, I don't live in rockville
0: I, so. get, I get i get Only
1: Only too far you might as well put that in florida
0: i just spent a week in orlando for work and i was like raw when i got back i'm like oh my god i was outside of rockville for a whole week oh yeah. Ah.
1: Yeah, okay so my yeah. daughter plays softball and so we do leave rockville to play right because yeah. she's playing and we played at one of the only um fields and my phone ran out of power mm-hmm. so no gps you should have seen me trying to get home. Oh, boy. No idea.
2: You've you need to to publish these Rockville restaurants because I I would go to them. It's just right. a matter of, like, it's a half hour before it's time to go and we're like, oh, let's go out to dinner. And you're like, well, where do you want to go? We're like, oh, I don't know. Well, you like, have that you know.
1: cool shopping center. It's not in Rockville, but on Norbeck, where yeah. the Safeway is. Yeah. The
0: Amaya and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: the, the pizza place. There's, yeah. Amorasi. Yeah. the mm-hmm. new, uh, like, uh... I don't want to say it's barbecue, but uh, um, it took oh, over it the barbecue. it used to be the barbecue. Yeah, it used to be. Yeah, that place is pretty good. And right? the Mexican restaurant's good. Yeah, Via Maya, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And the sushi place in there is really good, too. Do your kids you know?
0: like noodles? They would probably like Hello Vietnam. It is noodles with grilled chicken, and it's delicious. They do noodles.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. So we talk about food a lot.
0: We do talk about food a lot. And we all cook, too. So it's, it's yeah, it's good. We like to eat. Thank you so much, thank Caleb, for being here. This thank you. very cool. Thank you for your contributions and for broadening the conversation about this. We appreciate it. Jamie, you got anything to add?
1: Nope, that's it. Just looking, Hopefully we meet before the election. If yeah. not, we'll, well, we should. No, we will. The day before or two days before to make our final um Bets on who's yeah, who's, yeah, I think
0: so. I think we need to phrase it that way. I think yeah. we need to get some of the old guard and maybe one or two of the new guard in here and, and take some bets on, on how it's all going to play. Yep. Um, I do have an inter- a group interview with some of the women candidates, not really to talk about the election so much, but to talk about why it's important that women uh, lead. And again, I'm letting my Texas show <laughs> um, where perhaps it's not as normal For women to be, you had Ann Richards, didn't you? Yeah, and then all that went away. All that just it just completely pivoted. Went from being like free spirited, you know, live your own life, Texas, to something else entirely. To no child left behind, etc., etc. All right. Anyway, that's enough of that nonsense. And uh, we'll see you next time.